I was able to see that there are multiple paths towards success. Also, I was able to understand that there are different definitions of success. It's less the academic side of things and what I learned in school, but more so what I learned outside of the classroom environment. The people that I was able to meet, the discussions and the conversations I was able to have, seeing what is achievable and seeing what else is possible out there beyond my own little sphere and bubble of what I had grown up with. The level of exposure that I got, I think can really help me to expand my ambition and really expand my horizons of what is possible in this life that we have. That's the voice of Mark Bai, who at 27 years old is on a fast track to professional success. As a child growing up, Mark's immigrant parents wanted a better life for him and with good intentions, steered him down a path that he found was not his own. Through his experiences selling and managing with Cutco Vector and his time at the University of Pennsylvania, Mark was able to find his own career path. And now he's rapidly moving towards living the life of his dreams. I know you'll enjoy getting to know this insightful young leader, Mark Bai. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. I've got a fantastic guest for you today named Mark Bai. Mark started with our company with Cutco Vector in 2012. He was a rep in Omaha, Nebraska area, became a branch manager. In 2013, he worked with Dane Espigard. Mark went on to graduate from University of Pennsylvania in 2016, got into the recruiting space, and has had tremendous success there. He is now a principal at True Search, which is the fastest-growing retained executive search firm in the world. And so we've got a very, very rapid rise to success that we can talk about with all of you today. Mark Bai, thanks so much for making time for the podcast. Thanks for having me, Dan. Pleasure to be here. All right. Well, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background, Mark? I'd like for the Cutco Vector audience to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a first-generation immigrant from China. I moved to the U.S. when I was six years old with my parents, and we landed in Omaha, Nebraska, of all places. (laughs) Grew up in Omaha as one of the few Asian kids in my friend groups, in my schools, uh, in the entire community. And being from a more traditional conservative Chinese family, my parents always wanted me to be either a doctor or a lawyer. Growing up, obviously, I didn't become 
either of those things. But that was kind of the path that I took when I was studying in school. And how I joined Vector was when I had graduated from high school, I had taken all of these classes in the natural sciences, the mathematics, the hard sciences, basically all the classes that you needed to take to pursue a career in medicine. And what I had never done was anything entrepreneurial or business oriented. And mm-hmm. that was the gap in my experience set that I was looking to fill. And I got a call from Vector Marketing. They were advertising, hey, we have a job. It's $15 per appointment. I had no idea what this was. I went and I took on the interview. I went through the process and they immediately offered me the job on the spot, as is the custom. And I didn't really know what I was getting myself into, but I took the leap of faith. And ended up having an amazing summer, met Dane, who continues to be one of my mentors in life. And that was just ultimately an incredible experience that led me to become a branch manager and then ultimately led me into this career in recruiting where I still use a lot of the skill sets that I was able to learn and develop from my Vector and Cutco days. That's awesome. Very cool to hear. Tell us about some of the experiences you had during those two summers with Vector that stand out for you. Absolutely. So my first summer as a rep, what stood out to me was the SC2 push, where I was able to sell over 10000 in two weeks. That was the first time that I had ever really made that much money in that short period of time. Also, being able to say that I sold $10,000 as a you know 18-year-old was something that I had never done before that I vividly remember Waking up to 6:30 a.m. calls from Dane, um, Matt, you know, phoning all day, planning out the most optimized routes to visit all of my appointments, stopping at the grocery store, buying fruit for the various Mrs. Joneses that I was seeing. That two-week period, I think, really showed me what I was capable of, and really kind of pushed me outside of my comfort zone and. You know, that's something that I still try to do continuously today is always try and find ways to kind of push myself beyond what I think I'm capable of and really pushing myself into that uncomfortable zone. Yeah, that was really awesome, Mark, to hear. We try to explain to reps how a two-week period in one summer in this company could literally be a transformational experience that you remember for the rest of your life. And Not everybody sees that, but it's cool for you to share that one of the things that stands out most for you is that SC2 push, right? Really trying to bring your best energy to something for a short period of time, stepping outside your comfort zone, being willing to try things that you you otherwise might not have tried, and achieving a goal that you still remember to this day. That's pretty awesome. And it's not the rock. It's not the money that stands out to me. What stands out to me is the fact that Every difficult circumstance or obstacle that I come across, I can go back on those two weeks as an example of me overcoming something that was ridiculously hard and me knowing that if I can do that, I can do this. That is totally true. In one of my most recent episodes, a very, very wise and seasoned leader described how every challenge we experience is preparing us for something else. for the next challenge that's going to come up in our lives, right? And that uh, he's gone through many difficult challenges that prepared him for the difficulty of 2020 in his life. And uh, to hear you describe that taking on that difficult challenge in a push period is something that has prepared you 
for things that uh, you're experiencing now. That's a great lesson for people to hear. Absolutely. Absolutely. It was uh, one of the most challenging, but also the most rewarding two weeks of my life. Yeah, that's awesome. Any other experiences or lessons that stand out from your days with Cutco? Yeah, I think the next one that stands out is just me, my first summer being a branch manager in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. It was another just summer of me working, you know, 16 to 19 hour days, waking up at 6 a.m., 5.30 to prepare for the 6 a.m. branch manager call, going and training my reps all day, interviewing, recruiting, doing one-on-ones, then coming back exhausted, but, you know, feeling good about myself because I was able to see the tangible results that I was able to drive. And I think it was also a really impactful summer because I was managing a team of like 30 reps at my peak. And it was one was a couple that were in their mid 30s. So 2x as old as I was as a branch manager. Another was a branch banking new rep that was coming out of high school that was dealing with some family problems. And it was just really such a wide ranging set of experiences beyond just recruiting and teaching someone how to sell knives. And I think that just left a big impression on me. And it was, it's just something that like, hey, even if you are a young 18, 19, 20-year-old kid, you are still able to have an impact on other people. That is like what we say, changing lives by selling knives, right? You really are able to change someone's life. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It really says a lot about you, Mark, that you were willing to take on the challenge of being a branch manager. That is something that most people would never even consider taking on. And I'm so proud of every single person in our company that takes on that challenge, regardless of how much sales is produced. It's a tremendous step to be able to take that on. And then you created revenue where there would have been none And you went to a place too in South Dakota, right? It's again, like Omaha, there are probably not a lot of Asian people in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, I'm guessing. No, I did not have a single rep that was Asian, unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And so, you know, again, like that's outside the comfort zone of most people to be able to take on something like that. And it's awesome that you were willing to do that. And I think that that's a small piece of what it takes to really be successful long-term and perhaps a piece of why you've done well so fast in your career is that willingness to take on the challenge, that willingness to do something that's outside of the comfort zone. And that certainly is a way of speeding up somebody's learning curve and development in their career. Absolutely. So one of my favorite quotes in life is, he who has a why to live can bear almost any how. I actually have that tattooed on me and it's my favorite quote by Frederick Nietzsche. And I think by having a really strong why, that will help you get over all of these different new circumstances, new environments, new challenges. If you can really fall back on why it is that you're doing something, it doesn't matter what challenges or obstacles are in front of you, you can get over it. Mm. He who has a why to live can bear almost any how. Very profound. And you referenced Dane and that Dane uh, is still a a mentor for you to this day. Uh, Anything you could could share with us about Dane and his impact in your life? Absolutely. So I would say that if it wasn't for Dane Espergard, 
being my manager, I probably would not have stayed with Vector and stayed with Cutco. Dane was someone that I admired from day one in terms of the way that he carried himself, the way that he communicated with, with others. Dane was also someone who, one of the first examples, like real life examples of someone who I met who was kind of the antithesis of everything that my parents had taught me, which is you must study really hard, do well in school, all of these things, right? Whereas Dane was very open and transparent about sharing with us that, hey, he wasn't the most academic person, right? He didn't do the best in at Madison, but he played to his natural strengths and he still created the life of his dreams. So that was just a really strong first impression on me Dane actually changed the way that I carry bills in my wallet. Ever since I met Dane, I always have my bills in numerical order. (laughs) And they're all like crisp and they're all like flat and smooth. And even to this day, like I, we we don't talk about Cutco that much anymore, but like I still go to him for personal finance advice, for investment advice. Dane also made a huge impact on me with his dreams list. And that's something that I still kind of do to this day, which is I really sit down and reflect at every annual interval, generally around my birthday. And I sit down and really think through what are the things that I want to accomplish? What have I already accomplished? And how can I take that to the next level and and get even better? Yeah. Boy, that, that was really cool to hear all those things that you could say about Dane and, and, uh, you know, he's probably showing a lot of humility in telling you that uh, he wasn't the most academic guy. Make no mistake, Dane is very, very, very smart. 100%. And his, yeah, 100%. And, and his personal skills in connecting with others, in building relationships, in inspiring people, he's one of the greatest leaders our company's ever seen, for sure. So you were definitely lucky to have had that influence. Absolutely. And Dane is one of the smartest people that I know. So I think you know maybe a, a lesson to your audience is what you get on your transcript isn't a reflection of how smart you are. <laughs> indeed. Indeed. That is true. That is, that is awesome. Well, you went to a great school, very prestigious, University of Pennsylvania. What were some key experiences for you while you were at college? Yeah, I think once again, it's less the academic side of things and what I learned in school, but more so what I learned outside of the classroom environment. Mm-hmm. And I think it's the people that I was able to meet, the discussions and the conversations I was able to have. Also being, you know, when I went to Penn, Penn is in Philadelphia, it was my first time really being in a big city outside of Omaha, Nebraska. So being able to just kind of explore the city, just the level of exposure that I got. And once again, it's about like seeing what is achievable and seeing what else is possible out there beyond just my own little sphere and bubble of what I had grown up with. I think Penn really helped me to expand my ambition and really expand my horizons of what is possible in this life that we have. Mm. Expanding your horizons. Can you unpack that a little bit more about how that happened for you while you were there at uh, UPenn? Yeah, I think one of the things was I was able to see that there are multiple paths towards success. Also, I was able to really understand that there are different definitions of success as well. And this is just speaking from my own personal experience because I did grow up in a conservative Chinese household where it was very much a singular path towards success that I was 
taught, right? Right. And going to Penn, I was able to meet folks that have parents that come from all of these different backgrounds. Obviously, they were all successful because they were able to raise children that got into a good school. But beyond that, it was really understanding and listening to their stories and the different paths that they were able to take. And that just kind of broadened my own horizons in terms of like what was possible and helped me to take, to be more comfortable with taking risks in my life as opposed to just pursuing this very safe graduate from high school, graduate from college, go to medical school, get a residency, get a job as a doctor and be a doctor for the rest of my life. Yeah, that was great there that what you shared about that there are multiple paths towards success and there are different definitions of success and you getting a chance to get exposed to those concepts early on in your life. I think uh, it really helps people to clarify what it is that they want most and uh, to be able to find the direction to be able to get to that. So that was neat to hear. And I think it's okay that, you know, what you want may, doesn't have to be what your parents want or what your friends and family want, right? It's Mm -hmm. okay to kind of take the offbeat path and you'll still be just fine in life. Yeah. Great insight for sure. So tell us a little bit about your path after college. Yeah. So after college, I joined a executive search firm called Hydric and Struggles. They actually created this industry with executive search, which if your audience is unfamiliar, you're at a very high level. You're basically advising companies on placing future leaders into their organizations at the C-suite or the VP suite or the VP level, I should say. And I joined Hydric and Struggles, once again, kind of taking a bet on the unknown. I stumbled into an information session when they were on campus recruiting. And obviously, from my family's background, I had no exposure to anyone at the executive level. My parents are not executives by any stretch of the word. And it was an opportunity for me to really get exposure to people in the C-suite and people that have been at the top of their careers for longer than I had been alive at the time. Mm -hmm. And to be able to get that access at a very young age, that was part of the appeal for me. So while all of my friends were doing the tried and true pen path of going into finance, investment banking, hedge funds, etc., or going into management consulting, I went and joined an executive search firm. And it was an awesome experience. I remember being able to interview the president of the Art Institute of Chicago as a 21-year-old and being able to speak with you know managing directors at some of the largest bulge bracket banks in the world. And it was just an awesome experience. So from that, I went and joined them full-time after I interned with them throughout my senior year, working part-time. And then I spent two and a half years total at Hydric before I was recruited away by True Search, where I'm at today. And part of the reason why I went and joined True was because of their focus on technology as a whole. My bet and understanding was technology is going to permeate into every industry and sector of our society. True also had a really strong position with venture capital and private equity firms, which were two asset classes that I wanted to get more experience in. Mm -hmm. And so once again, I took another leap of faith and bet on myself and bet on True, which at the time was an unknown upstart 
No one really knew about it. It was only about a hundred or so people. And I was leaving this publicly traded, very well established 65 year old plus history firm. And over the last three years, it has been a tremendous ride. We are now the seventh largest executive search firm in the world by revenue. And we have been the fastest growing executive search firm for, I believe, the last four years consecutively. Wow. That is amazing to hear. Tell us about what you feel was a transformational moment along the way in your career that has led you to this place. Yeah, I think it was that bet that I took on True and the bet that I took on myself leaving Hydric and coming to the Bay Area. I was walking away from a very safe and well-established career path towards a company that may or may not even be have been around in the next 12 to 18 months. And I think that bet really paid off. And here I am today, and I, I could not be happier with that decision. What gave you the courage to take that leap? I think it was a number of things. One is kind of preparation. Before I took that leap, I went and took it upon myself to find every single person that I could on LinkedIn that used to work at True. And I called them and reached out to them to basically do my due diligence on, hey, is everything that they're telling me legitimate? Is this all true? And everything seemed to check out. And then part two was I felt that I had gained the skills necessary at Hydric, which was a fantastic training ground, and that I felt like I was ready to apply those lessons in an environment where, for lack of a better term, I was the throat to choke and where I was the one that was accountable for delivering results. Mm, very, very cool to hear. So since you've been at True, you obviously you made this bet on yourself. You made this bet on True. The company has grown super fast and is doing really well. You, in particular, have done a lot of amazing work there. You, I understand you've set various records in the recruiting space, and you're one of the fastest people that's ever been promoted to principal at the firm. And you're only 27 years old, right? You just turned 27? Just turned 27. Yeah, incredible. So... What have been some of your success factors? I think having great mentors is a huge part. My goal whenever I go into any organization is I want to find the people that are doing whatever it is that they do, but they are the best at it. And I want to chat with them, understand what it is that they do, and try and absorb their best practices into my own workflow and what I do. So I was very lucky to have a mentor. He's still my mentor today, Sean Thorne. He was a principal when I was an associate coming in. And we've kind of grown up together as we built out our product data and technology practice here at True on the West Coast. So having good mentors is one. The other is, once again, having a good, strong why, because this last three years have not been easy. Recruiting in general is a very roller coaster industry and business. So having that strong why to fall back on when things get hard, I think is really important. And then third is a really strong work ethic. You know, one of the things that me and my best friend always talk about is I may not be the smartest person in any room that I walk into. But I for sure will be the hardest worker in every room that I walk into. Mm. And I guarantee that. Mm. That's cool. What does your day to day look like at this point? 
Yeah. So I'm a principal right now. So it's the hardest role in the industry because you're basically responsible for everything end to end from everything that an associate does to everything that a partner would do. And so my day-to-day typically starts, I'm on back-to-back calls from 8 a.m. until 6 or 7 p.m. Then I will break from 6 or 7 until 9 or 10 where I go and I work out, I cook dinner, I take care of like my life things. And then I come back around 10 p.m. and I work until 1 or 2 in the morning to get all of my administrative stuff done, as well as to do all of the additional outreach and get myself prepared for the next day. And I basically rinse and repeat from that from Monday through Friday. And then I always work on Sunday afternoons through until the evening. So Mm -hmm. it's a lot of work these days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And what you've referenced, the importance of strong whys, I think for any young person who looks at that type of a schedule, they're going to fall into one of two camps. There are going to be some who are like, well, I don't want to work that hard. Like, why would I work that hard? And then there's others that say, well, this is why I want to be, I want to bust my butt when I'm young because I have this aspiration and that goal. And, you know, I want to be able to advance and they have those strong whys, right? What are some of your reasons for being willing to put in such a rigorous work week? Yeah, I think my biggest why is my parents and I, we came to the U.S. when I was six years old. For a while, my mom and I, we only had $3,000 to our bank account total. We were living in someone else's home who we met through the church. And it was just me, my mom, and my sister in that person's home for a number of years. So I grew up really, really poor. And part of my reason for being motivated to achieve financial success is I want to repay my parents for the sacrifices that they have made in terms of coming to a brand new country, giving up their careers in order for me and my sister to have a better life. And I also want to make sure that my progeny and my family for the next two to three generations don't have to grow up the way that I did. And I want to make sure that I help my younger sister have the best life that she can possibly have. And then ultimately, I want to be able to pay it forward and help other people that have grown up maybe the way that I did or you know, I would love to go back and help the village that my father grew up in. Yeah, those are my wives. Those are really admirable to hear, Mark. And I think that uh, it's really cool for people to be able to get a look into your own background, your own evolution, and, and to what you're doing now. What other advice would you have for the audience of you know young Vector reps, young managers, or Vector alumni? I think, number one, surround yourself with great mentors. Finding your why working hard. And then I would add a fourth is don't just like bang your head against the wall and work hard. Try and work smart wherever possible and Mm -hmm. try and optimize your workflows and work smarter than the competition. And that will give you, you know, exponentially greater rewards and you'll achieve them at a much faster clip. Yeah. Outstanding. What's the vision of the future for you longer term? That's a good question. So I think. Right now, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing. I'm lucky to be at a great firm. So I think there is a realistic path towards partner for me here at True. And I would love to pursue that. 
in the future, I think there are a number of paths. I would love to go back and try something entrepreneurial again, whether it's founding my own executive search firm or it's starting a company with some of my friends. And then beyond that, I would love to, like I said, get into philanthropy, be able to really give back and be that mentor for other people and help them develop and grow. Outstanding. Well, you can have a tremendous impact through uh, a, a lot of those different elements of the vision. How do you enjoy San Francisco? I absolutely love it. I think, as I mentioned to you earlier, growing up in Omaha, Nebraska, coming to the Bay Area, this is honestly one of the, the first places I've lived in where I haven't felt like an outsider. So that has been a huge plus. Obviously, the Bay Area is geographically just gorgeous. So being able to go to the beach, go wine tasting up north, go to Tahoe, this is just an unbelievable place to live and and we're very lucky. Yeah, for sure. I grew up here, so I'm a little biased. (laughs) I'm a little biased, of course, but I do feel like just the sheer diversity of the Bay Area in terms of the mix of population creates a number of advantages that a lot of people don't really even understand because they aren't around it. It's from when seeing different types of faces like like we get to see becomes normal, you're far more accepting of all different types of people. It's like, well, that's how the world is. There's all these different types of people. And it changes the paradigm that I think kids grow up with when they're around that sort of an environment. And to me, that's been one of the things that has been really cool here. There's also, of course, the advantages like the food scene that the Bay Area has because of all of our different ethnicities that we have. That's what I was going to say, right? It's not one of the most diverse and incredible food scenes in the US for sure, maybe even in the world. And like, how can you discriminate against someone that doesn't look like you when you've eaten their food that they (laughs) think that it's delicious? (laughs) <laughs> exactly. It just, it gives you an appreciation. It's like a, in a strange way, like that small thing of just, you know, eating somebody's, uh, you know, ethnic item. It gives you this appreciation for people that I think is a, a cool part of being here as well. And of course you referenced the geographic beauty of the Bay area is awesome, but that element of diversity I think is key. And it's something I feel like more people could use more of that appreciation of other different types of people. I think that uh, if everybody had that, uh, our, our world would definitely be a little bit of a better place. Absolutely. And I think Vector and, and Cutco is great for that, right? You are exposing yourself to so many different people at such a young age. And if you go into every interaction with an open mind, what that does for your perspective is tremendous. Yes, for sure. For sure. Mark, are there any other like core philosophies or principles and in your mind that stand out that have shaped you that you feel like you'd want our audience to hear? If there's one other thing I would say, always devote some time to pursue something that's of interest to you beyond what your every day job is. So for me personally, last year, I devoted all of my free time towards learning personal finance because that was just something that was never taught to me. This year, I'm devoting a lot of my time learning real estate. So that whole thing about 10,000 hours, I think it's actually true. And it's really being able to allocate some percentage of your time to learning something new and always perpetually learning something new, I think will pay tremendous dividends over the, the long run. 
Yeah, that is a great piece of advice that definitely is something that we can leave people with today is just this idea that allocating time to learning is one of the most valuable things that people can make sure they do. And I'm glad to hear that amidst your the work ethic that you have and your rigorous schedule that uh, you are allocating time in your life to learning and whether it be learning about real estate or learning about personal finance or developing a, a hobby that is important to you that enables you to learn and grow and feel like you're improving yourself. Anytime you have that as a part of your schedule, a part of your plan, it enables you to become bigger as a human, bigger as a person. And, and I feel like the success that you have just grows when you are, are applying yourself in that manner. Absolutely. And you never know like what type of connections you're able to make between whatever your side interest or hobby is and your day job and what you know insights that you can find that help you do your day job better. Right. So that's that makes that allocation of time to do something else even more important. Yeah. Outstanding. Well, Mark, this has been really good stuff. I feel like you've offered some great insights to our audience. I feel like any young person listening to this can get a little bit of a snippet into some of the mindset and some of the strategies that it takes to succeed at a high level quickly. And uh, I really appreciate you sharing your time and your knowledge uh, with our audience. Thanks so much. Thanks so much for having me, Dan. It's a fantastic experience. All right, cool. That was Mark. Bye, everyone. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I thought some really cool lessons came out of that conversation. I appreciate that Mark described feeling or sensing a gap in his resume, which is why he wanted to start with Petco and Vector, wanting to gain that particular experience that could be could be gotten from the type of position that Cutco Vector offered, wanting to diversify himself from being, you know, somebody who was just academically strong to having those people skills that come along with the Cutco Vector experience. And I really like where he talked about wanting to push beyond his comfort zone and learning the lessons of that. And that every difficult experience that you take on prepares you for future challenges in life. Uh, that was a tremendous insight that is worth considering right now and thinking about, right? What are some of the challenges that could be on the horizon for you that maybe you have avoided up until now because you preferred to remain comfortable, but that by taking on those challenges, it could open up new doors of opportunity for you and can help prepare you for greater success, can help you become the kind of person you want to become. If you listen to the podcast episode with Benjamin Hardy, I thought one of the most compelling insights that came out of that was the idea that it's important for us to set goals that help us shape our personality and who we want to become versus allowing our current and limited personality to shape the goals that we set and the things we're willing to do. That is a very compelling insight. And Mark shared a version of that today. I also like where Mark talked about going to college at UPenn and seeing multiple paths to success and different definitions of success. So often, we are shaped by the environment that we grow up in. And everything that is told to us becomes our reality. And that means that oftentimes a lot of our view of the world 
is created and shaped by our parents and by our formal schooling that we have up until, you know, this age of 18 or so when Mark went off to college. And that can be for better or for worse. And I think that uh, for most of us here who are, you know, part of this podcast or most of you who are listening, there are probably a lot of elements of your background that have been very positive, but there are probably also elements of your background that have been limiting in some way. And understanding that there are many different paths to get to where we want to be is a very important concept that helps you to create the path that makes the most sense for you versus traveling down a path that is someone else's vision and not yours. Mark offered some great success factors from having great mentors to having strong reasons to work ethic as well. Of course, these are all pieces of the puzzle, particularly for young people in any endeavor to be able to move ahead more quickly. And then I also appreciated that Mark talked about allocating time to learning and how that is an important part of being able to develop well-rounded skills in life. Mark had a great mentor and vector. His name is Dane Espigard. Dane was featured on the podcast in episode number 35. And in particular, Dane talks about this dreams list concept that Mark referenced he learned from Dane. It's one of the most powerful ideas that can help you succeed. If you haven't listened to Dane Espigard, episode number 35 on the podcast, take a moment to find that one in your podcast player, download that one, have it ready, check it out next, put it on your list because you'll get a lot out of that for sure. I want to ask you if you've enjoyed these podcasts, please share the podcast with others who can you know, similarly benefit from what we are providing here. Take a few moments to provide a rating and or review on your podcast player as that helps spread the word about the podcast to others and connect with me. You can connect with me at the changinglivespodcast.com site. There's a little box there that you can click on, provide your email address, and you'll be able to get resources from me and occasionally from some of our podcast guests. And I would also invite with you to, con to uh, connect with me on social media, at LinkedIn and or Facebook and Instagram if you want as well. Just make sure that uh, your profile says something about Vector and Cutco in there so that uh, I know that you are one of our alumni or current reps or, and or a fan of the podcast. Thanks everyone for listening today and I hope you have a fantastic rest of your day. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.